Okay, so we did this. This is our outline. Did you get all that? Remember, we're going over this outline every time. I want to make sure Christ is... What's the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews? To show that Christ is better than Moses, really. The Jews grasp upon Moses like he was almost God. I mean, really, he almost replaced God with them. The law of Moses. Moses. Moses said, and you know when they challenged Jesus, what did they, what were they, how did they challenge Jesus in the New Testament? Well, Moses says, what do you say? They were having a, they, they were hoping, they were like the liberals of today trying to trap you in your own words. It's called a gotcha question. So they said, uh, uh, should we pay tribute to Caesar? That was a gotcha question. They thought they had him on that. I mean, when they said, Are you should you pay tribute to Nobody likes Caesar. Nobody. Nobody likes Caesar. And so if Jesus said, yeah, pay tribute to Caesar without saying what he did, they would have said, well, there he is. He's loyal to the Romans. We knew he was, in, we knew he was a traitor. He says, well, give me a coin. Whose picture is on it? Whose superscription? Whose picture is on it? They said, well, Caesar. He said, well, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. These people went away marveling. The Bible says that after those couple of questions, they didn't ask him any more questions because they got embarrassed. They didn't ask him anymore. But only God himself could probably be that good. And the Holy Spirit could only be that good at answering his questions. But uh, this Moses thing is big. So Christ, the whole book of Hebrews is about being Christ. Christ is better than the angels. A lot of cults try to make Christ an angel. Christ is better than Moses, of course. That's for the Hebrews. Christ is better than the Old Testament priests because the Levites and the priesthood, chief priests, Aaronic priests, and all of that and the sacrifices, that was deep in their world, and Christ is better than that. His sacrifice is better than their sacrifice. His priesthood is better than their priesthood. And the Old Testament covenant, the whole covenant itself, the law, the law, 613 commandments, summarized by 10, summarized by 2. That's Christ's law of love, called the law of liberty, Grace is better than that law. The Old Testament sacrifices, say, that's the lamb. Well, Christ being the lamb is better than the lambs and the goats and the things that were sacrificed. But the, so what's the application of these, of these truths? Well, there's great, great consequences of disobedience, and we're going to, and really, wow, woo-wee, chapter 10. And then great examples of obedience, woo chapter 11, because maybe chapter 10 is the greatest warning ever in the whole Bible about falling away or not obeying things you've been given, privileges you've been given. Uh, but also chapter 11 is one of the most encouraging chapters of all the whole chapters in the Bible. I mean, faith, 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 faith is the substance of things hoped for. Remember I gave an example of what that means? If you go hunting like with me, uh, I, I buy a pair of $150 snake boots because I have faith that there's going to be rattlesnakes out where I go. And that faith creates substance of buying $150. In other words, there might as well be snakes out there because I believe they're there. And they actually are there. Faith makes something substance. You're here today because of faith. That's why you're here today. <clears throat> Nothing else brought you here but faith. 
And that faith makes substance. It makes you, makes you get up, get dressed, and come to church. I heard an old preacher, you know, thank God for Florida. that We're living in Florida with a Republican governor because he's being pretty good on us. But boy, Maryland, some of these places like Maryland, they're under Gestapo. That guy don't want to open the churches. You have to open the liquor store. You can line up at Costco. You can go into these places, but you can't go to, you can't go to church. So I like the old preacher. He's violating, you know, he's violating their law. He tore it up in front of him. He said he's willing to go to jail. And I think preachers got to do that. It's time to go to jail. It's time to go to jail. Uh, these governors have a 30-day emergency power, but after that, really constitutionally, I don't see, and nobody else I've been in read believes they have power over 30 days. And they're going past their power. They're running out there in uncharted territory legally. They're going to be challenged, and they're going to say, all this is going to go to court. It's going to take a while. Meantime, the old preacher don't want to not have church. So, he's, and I like the point he made. He, he was on Laura Ingram on Fox News. And I like the point the old boy made. He said, uh, the word ecclesia, which is translated church, means to assemble. You can't have church online because you can't assemble online. Don't you ever get in your idea, you get in your head that, that watching that video at home is replacing what you're at now. There's something, there's something mystical and supernatural about gathering. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had it happen. We're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. There's something mystical and supernatural happens when the church of Jesus Christ gathers together, people that are saved. And so church is not, it's like I tell people about school. Homeschool does not replace what we're doing. Homeschool is just half a schooling. It's just half a schooling. So if your kid's homeschooled, they miss half of what the rest of the kids are getting. Because home, school, the way we have a day school, is half social and half academic. In other words, you, you teach them also to get up, get dressed, make appointments, be on time, take tests, be accountable to other people beside their mom and dad. Uh, you know, also mom and dad. Have you ever known a mom and dad to go easy on their kids? Yeah, like yeah. Well, our teachers won't. Our teachers don't have the love for your child that you do. And sometimes your love is actually perverted love. It's, it's skewed love. You go, if you go now, Lloyd don't go easy on his kids. Lloyd loves his kids, and Lloyd loves his grandkids because I hear how hard he is on them. And when I hear grandpa this and grandpa's a foreman, and I love that. I'm just like, man, Lloyd, I tell him. When I tell him, brother, I say, man, you got a grandpa that loves you. He takes you up there and gets you dirty. He takes you up there and shows you work ethic. I mean, that, that means, he, you know, he doesn't just do what they want to do. He does what's best for them. Oh, that's, that's real love. And that's what our teachers do. Our teachers do what's best for the kid, not necessarily what they want. So anyway, church is similar to that. Churches, 50% uh, academia, and then 50% interaction of social uh, accountability. And says the Bible says in, in this book, by the way, Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another what it is called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Well, how do you do that if you're at home? you got to get among each other, right? It's that old Ernie, Ernie Leonard, let me try this again. Ernie Leonard said, you got to get amongst them, you know? I was talking about my grandchildren. My grandsons are both still single <clears throat> without really a girlfriend that I know of. And Ernie, I was talking to Ernie, I was kind of bewailing that they're not, you know, I was married 19 with a kid. 
That matures you quick. But anyway, I said, I don't understand how these kids are going at 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 years old. And I find, mate, it's amazing. And Ernie kept, <laughs> Ernie, we were fishing. He says, well, son, you got to get amongst them. He says, when I was, when I was hunting for a woman, I got among women. I just hung, I did, I hung around women. He said, I went around where the women were. And I went where the women were and did what the women were doing, you know, until eventually I found one. And, I, and I, then I didn't want to go around the women anymore. I had a woman, right? Then he went fishing, back to fishing. <laughs> that does happen, actually, and that's, that's actually some marriage problems. But chapter 12, we see after chapter 11, that glorious chapter of faith, we see chapter 12, which is now we have a position as a son, and then practical ways to demonstrate your faith. So there you go. Okay, so we begin in we begin in the first chapter, and I'm going to tell you I'm working real hard. I'm working real hard at not belaboring this. Okay, I'm really am. You may think I am, but I'm I'm really working hard at not belaboring this this preview. It's of the nature of God to speak. That's the first title. Well, that, no, that's not the first chapter of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's the nature of God to possess. That's the first title, first chapter. But somewhere down in that book, it's, he's, he also says it's the nature of God to speak. God is a communicator. If he's anything, he's a communicator. He knows how to communicate. He does know how to communicate to you and to me. In chapter 1, verse 1, we see that. God who has sundry times and diverse manners, different manners, variate quite a God of variety. He is. Spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. He's God as a communicator. He communicates through divers or various means. He's quite creative in his communication. He spoke by a whirlwind. To Elijah, you all remember that, right? He spoke through a man, Nathan, to David. One of my favorite passages of all the Bible is when old Nathan takes that long finger. Now, his finger probably is about that long. Old Baptist preacher. He took that old finger in front of David's whole court. All of David's court was there in front of him. So he tells this story about this guy taking this poor man's ewe lamb and sacrifice a rich man when he had a whole bunch of them. Ooh, David got immediately his anger was kindled. He was a shepherd. He knew what little lambs were like, how precious they were. Could be a pet. And he, he just was burning with, with fire. And he says, the man ought to die. And, he, and, and that, there was a little moment of silence, I, I imagine, in my mind, as Nathan took that old Baptist index finger and pointed at David and said, Thou art the man. Thou art the man. Doggies, that was a good application. As a student of preaching, that was a fabulous application of a sermon. I mean, told the story, set it up, and then applied it. Oh, man, David was smitten because he knew immediately that he had murdered Uriah and took his only wife for his own and had done exactly the same thing as a rich man taking a little ewe lamb. And so he was worthy of death. And God said, and Nathan said, you're not going to die, but you, you may want to die because I'm going to curse your family. All your family now 
going to have strife. And you know, you know the history, and I won't go over that, <clears throat> about his son. He lost Ammon. He lost Absalom. He lost Tamar, was raped. And she was a widow, a single, unmarried the rest of her life. And just horror, horror. Abijah, just horror came through their family. And uh, I bet there were many nights when David wished that he had died, wished God had killed him instead of the punishment that went his way. But that's what happens when you disobey God in high privilege. The higher the privilege, the stricter the judgment. The higher the privilege, the stricter the judgment. It said the people, the leadership in the church are to receive double honor, but it also says that if they sin, rebuke them before all that others may fear. Make their sin public. Don't keep it private. So with the high privilege comes a high rebuke. Amen. Both ways. The road goes two ways. The road goes two ways. So we see he spoke with fire to Elisha. Yeah. Boy, he sure did. Uh, he spoke by fire to Elijah. That should be Elijah, by the way. Uh, he spoke by he spoke by a still small voice to Elijah. He's, I'm back with him. You know, he wasn't in the whirlwind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. But he was in the still small voice. And God, many times, will come to you with that still small voice. With Jonah, he spoke. He spoke by the Las Vegas method, casting lots. Chris Powell, an old deacon of ours, and Chris and Gene Powell, sweet couple. He was a lawyer, a judge, uh, had his own legal firm in Detroit and before he moved down here, and he developed real estate. He did all Casa Bonita real estate, all them buildings and everything. Um, uh, he, he told me how he had a commercial building he wanted to sell up north in Michigan, and he didn't know whether to sell it or not to sell it, sell it or not sell it, sell it or not sell it. So he said, you know what, Bill, I took a lot. And uh, a device, you know, and he said, I just told God, whatever this comes up, if it comes up this way, I sell it. If it comes up this way, I keep it. And he cast lots. That's, it was the Old Testament practice of casting lots. He cast lots. It came up to sell it. He sold it. Not long after that, he died. That was a great decision because he liquidated his assets before he died. So his widow didn't have to do all that. And so it was, uh, ended up being a decision. He felt it was from God. You may like that or not like that, but I just told you the story. It's what happened. He spoke through dreams to Joseph. Uh, he spoke through visions to Daniel. He's a God who speaks. He spoke through a donkey to Balaam. He spoke by dew on a fleece to Gideon. He spoke by a sundial to Hezekiah. He spoke by making the sun stand still with Joshua. He spoke through the flood with Noah. He spoke through the burning bush through Moses. He spoke through angels with Abraham. He spoke many, many, many different ways in divers manners. God is a God who can speak. He knows how to communicate. He never spoke any better to anybody than in Jesus Christ. He is the best and final communicator of God to us. What is Jesus? 
He shows us who God is. He shows us the very nature of God. It's beautiful when you look at Jesus. That's who God is. And it's encouraging, by the way, to see that. He spoke, the Bible says, by the prophets. A God who was sundered times in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. The Greek can help us in this, although you don't have to have the Greek to understand the Bible at all. You don't have, don't have no Hebrew to understand the Bible. Been translated very carefully, very, very carefully, looked over so many times. So if you've got an English Bible, you can trust it, old King James Bible. You don't need all kinds of fancy dancy Greek. But if you know it, it can give you uh, it can help you with just little things like what I'm going to show you here. The word by. There's two words for translated. There's two words in Greek for our one English word by. Um, one word in Greek is our, the word in. Uh, the other word in Greek, and I'm using, uh, I could give you the Greek word, but what good would that do? The word through is the word dia. Whoopee, you know that. Dia means to be through. So when the Bible sometimes says by, it could either be the word in, which is actually a pronunciation of Greek, or dia. It could be either one. But they came, because there was not a word that really did both, the translators correctly used our word by, which can take the connotative meaning of either one of those, in or through. Okay, The vehicle, in other words, was whatever it referred to. So both are translated by by. Some insight can be gained by knowing which one is used. In verse 1, by the prophets is the word in, which in, E-N in our pronunciation, means in the prophets. So he not only spoke through the prophets, he actually spoke in the prophets. What's that mean? Well, the insight this gives is this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, these are, obviously this is Paul talking about himself and others, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So what he was saying then, God spoke through men, amen? He spoke through men. He spoke through the apostles. But he said, even though it was men speaking, it was God speaking through the men. Are you with me? That's what the first verse of Hebrews says. God, who has spoken a lot of different ways, has spoken through the prophets to us. And, and people say, well, men wrote the Bible. Have you ever heard that? Men wrote the Bible. Somehow in a did, 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 is it did, denigrating, did, degen, not a degenerating, not degrading, that's all, folks. Oh, man, I cannot clip that word. In a disparaging way. That's not the word I wanted. But they say, oh, the Bible's written by men, as if somehow that lessens the quality of the Bible. If God spoke through a donkey, it's the same quality. If God speaks through angels, it's the same quality. If God speaks through a burning bush, it's the same quality. When God speaks, He chooses how He speaks, and the method He speaks does not lower the quality of what's being said. But for some reason, people want to say, well, men wrote it, it's no good. Well, if God didn't do it through the men, yeah, it's no good. But when God does it, 
Hey, I have heard preachers get up there and preach a sermon, and I knew that preacher all had all kinds of flaws, and he was just a human, and if you talk to his wife, you could get the list. Uh, I knew all that, but I knew sometimes that when that preacher preached, God spoke to me through him. Just as sure as God whispered in my ear, God spoke to me through the preached word. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching is foolish. To use a, a man that, that is, has all kinds of flaws, it's the very height of the glory of the sovereignty of God. That somehow or another, he can still communicate even through a corrupt vessel. It shows you how great your God is. Woo. He can still use an imperfect vessel. That's why when we go door to door, I tell people sometimes that want to give me a hard time door to door, look, God's coming by your house today. Don't look at me like, what? I say, here's the way it is. As though God did beseech you by us, be reconciled to God. I said, God's not going to show up at the end of your bed and say, hey, I'm God, and I want to talk to you. He's going to show up through the, through the written Word of God, the spoken Word of God, the things of nature, and He's going to communicate to you, and you need to have an ear to hear. That's why it says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Don't you miss God's voice by trying to, by letting the vessel and the weaknesses of the vessel turn you off. I had a preacher teaching, I had a teacher, Bob Jones, that taught me the best course, one of the best courses I ever had there was the book of Acts. Um, I learned more through that guy in, in 18 weeks on the book of Acts than anybody I'd ever taken in a Bible course. But later on, that guy had trouble. Later on, that guy got out of the ministry and had trouble, got out of the ministry. But that didn't, that didn't take away anything from what happened in that course. Didn't take away anything. Just because he, as a human, didn't practice what he preached, and he, he had trouble, I didn't say, well, that means anything he said to me wasn't any good. Now, I'm not going to do that, because God spoke to me through that course. Another reason I think it's important about in the prophets, it says, searching what? What manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was what? In them, right? In them. Did signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory should follow. Who was he talking about? Well, mainly, one of the main things I go to is Isaiah. Through Isaiah, he talked about the sufferings of Christ in Isaiah 53, chapter 53, the forbidden chapter, by the way, for Jewish people. Also, chapter 52 is, is also a powerful chapter. And so we saw the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should be. That's what the thing that you, the, the Old Testament folks struggle heavily. They saw the sufferings of Christ and they saw the glory of Christ. There's a lot in it through the minor prophets, major prophets, about the millennial kingdom. There's about him ruling and reigning and about his. There's all kinds of. I, one time I did one in my Bible reading about for a year, you know. Every year I look for something else. One year I looked for millennial verses as I read through the Old Testament. Wow. I just went through my Bible the other day. I, I took red and I, every time I found a millennial passage, and I just can't believe how many millennial references there are in the Old Testament. 
they were looking forward to, the Jews especially looking forward to the millennium. Because that was when Israel was going to be finally in the land, all the land, every bit of the land. And that Christ was going to be their king as a son of David. He was going to rule and reign in Jerusalem. The promises, in other words, that they look forward to were finally going to be fulfilled. And so no wonder the Old Testament is replete with millennial passages. It's all over, everywhere. I did a Sunday school lesson on that. I don't know if I'm teaching or preaching. I'm somewhere in between the two. Jesus is the best communication was to us in verses 2 and 3 of really ripping through this book. Now stop, stop, stop. And you may be sitting back there and saying, brother, if this is a survey, this is going to be 2025 before we get out of here. No. In the last year or so, my, my nose has kind of wanted to run. And it doesn't mean I've got corona. It's a strange thing about getting old. Things want to run that shouldn't. I'm not going any further than that. <laughs> this is a great trip. I'm having fun. Hebrews 1 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. I noticed, I, I made that yellow, and the coloring is mine. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. He's what now? He's the heir of all things. God bless you, folks. Good to see you. Sweet. Glad you're alive. By whom all by whom also he made the worlds. He made the worlds. Can I pause here for just a second? And tell you how horrible the teaching of evolution is. Don't you give evolution any sympathy. But preacher, most of the scientists of the world believe it's fact. May I add to that? Most of the scientists of the world are lost and going to hell. You don't want to follow them, do you? Evolution denies one of the more, most primary teachings of all of Scripture. Uh, Brother Bill, I looked in my Bible, and I'm, I may be wrong on this number, but I'm not too far away, that the, the, the creating of the world is re referenced in the Bible 67 times. I took a little bit of work to find that. The creating, of, that's reading your Bible through in a year, I look for stuff. 67 times the creating of the world, I believe, is if, if that's wrong, I'll go back and double check the number. I'm pretty good with numbers. 67 times, a whole lot of times. In other words, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. is not just referenced one time. Am I out of time already? Look at that. Time is my enemy. Okay, i got to quit right here. Who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. Next, tomorrow? No. Next Sunday? We're going to go over those seven, in these two verses, if you can see them there, there's seven attributes of Jesus Christ. One of the most glorious places of all Scripture. We're going to spend a little time on those seven attributes. Father, thank you for the day. Uh, thank you for your kindness. Help us remember these things for your glory and help other people know them. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.